Hello and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. I'm George Bradley, an architect and a director of London-based studio Bradley van der Straten. In each episode, I talk to a different architect from around the world to discuss an inspiring house that they have designed. In this episode, I'm joined by the architect Metin van Zeel of the Dutch architecture practice Studio Nine Dots. We talk about Villa 5050. Located on the site of a former Philips factory in the city of Eindhoven, this project was shortlisted by Dezine as one of the best houses in the world in 2021. The home breaks the typical mould of house and garden and instead fills the entire polygon-shaped urban plot. Instead of being all solid building, however, the outdoor space is given an equal share to the interior spaces, with courtyards and patios carved out of the building. Described by the architects as a new typology for maximising interaction, the building form is one big flat roof with a large circular opening in the middle that has a tree growing out of it. Most of the living spaces are single storey and very public, with glass sides and double or sometimes even triple aspects. Contrasting with these very open glass spaces is a three-storey square metal tower that penetrates through the roof and contains two children's bedrooms stacked one above the other. The house really does challenge convention and achieves a home that is unique and has certainly inspired some of the projects that I've worked on. If you'd like to explore this project before listening to the episode, pictures and links to the architect can be found on the episode page at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, Metin, and welcome to another Architecture Podcast. Well, hello, and uh, thanks for having me. Huh? Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here, and um, and we're going to be talking about your latest project, Villa 5050, today. Um, could you just to set the context a little bit? This this house is located in Eindhoven, um, and for anybody that doesn't know this, you know, most listeners won't know this house or will have been maybe to Eindhoven. Could you just sort of set the scene a little bit of the where we're located here? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's good to start with uh, with the with context because uh, uh, Eindhoven is a, is a, one of the popular cities at the moment in the Netherlands. It's it's sort of the brains power city uh, of the Netherlands where a lot of things are happening uh, so it's a very popular place and um, actually the city uh, and the context where it's uh, where the house is standing um, is very interesting it's a it's a beautiful location at the edge of the city uh, the clients moved from really the city center to the edge of the city to get a little bit more uh, uh, connection to the green and outdoor space um, but the location is on Stripe Air, uh, which, of course, says, uh, is difficult for you to understand. But uh, maybe you know that Eindhoven was the base a long time for uh, a big company, a big Dutch company called uh, Philips Electronics, which made l- a lot of lighting bulbs and other electronics like television screens and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, uh, uh, Philips was a really important and still is actually a, a big part of the uh, development of uh, Eindhoven and uh, the owner or the chairman of Philips, which is called Fritz Philips, uh, was a really good guy. He was really uh, um, important for his employees in the company. So what he did 
because the factory was so big, it really took a, a big part of the whole city. Uh, he was thinking of making small villages, uh, which are healthy and really with beautiful uh, industrial, good buildings uh, for the factory and for the employees. So uh, he called them the villages. He gave them different letters, different names. So one is a stripe S, stripe T, and you have stripe R. Uh, and he wanted to have more, but they didn't uh, develop uh, that direction. Um, so what he did, he, he each village, village was a sort of village in its own. Uh, mm -hmm. And Stripe Air is uh, uh, on the edge of the city, uh, uh, almost connecting to a big forest where he himself, Fritz, uh, Fritz Phillips, lived all his life. Uh, and he opened uh, a part of the forest for public. Uh, and also there next to it, it's a training camp for the soccer club uh, PSV, uh, which is uh, the okay. famous club in the Holland. Um, so uh, um, actually he lived next to the, to the location. And uh, Stripe Air, which is interesting, is now filled with uh, housing, more, more or less. It's it's totally redeveloped as an urban uh, uh, urban urban plan. And sort of 600 houses are, are settled there. A lot of a lot of repetition. Uh, you can you can think of it what you want, but it's a bit a bit simple, a bit bit, bit boring actually. But on the edge near the forest, they made a sort of space for 40 freestanding houses. Um, and and what is interesting as well is, is one beautiful building is still on site, uh, a sort of industrial feeling for the whole plot of whole stripe air, which is occupied by a Dutch uh, a furniture designer called Piet Hein Eek. Uh, he makes still makes a lot of products there, like they used to do with Philips. He is also making products, furniture stuff, but he also runs a restaurant there and a hotel. So when you walk around Stripe Air, you really feel, uh, and it also counts for the other uh, other villages from Philips, you really feel the industrial mm -hmm. uh, history and context. So one side is really industrial and raw and, and, and the sort of historical uh, context. And on the other side, it's like beautiful green and uh, there's a, a sort of stepping into nature. So it's on the, really on the edge of being in a city, industrial production and being into nature. Mm -hmm. but that's basically uh if you if you understand that's a bit more where it is yeah and this was effectively it was an empty plot that was ready for development so you were given this kind of blank canvas with this context yeah that's basically how it works in most of the cities they 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 give it to private clients and uh, you can buy a plot but it's all more or less connected to each other so they're on the row uh, with a few to the forest uh, and you can buy a plot and you have uh, certain rules where you have to apply to. And then uh, if you, yeah, you can design within the rules, you have a freedom for your own architecture. So mm -hmm. in basically all the houses could be really different, which actually are not, huh? but that's maybe uh, later in the discussion. But in, uh, <laughs> if you look at all the houses uh, are made there, there are only a few, which I think are sort of dealing with the context and the rest is really they all look the same a little bit so, mm -hmm. yeah it's strange yeah and in, i mean in terms of looking the same this house is not a house that looks the same this house is different in in every respect and as you say yes there's lots of things to talk about here i'm very interested in the clients and the design process and and how you devise this scheme um but just starting with that difference like what was making this house different um if if we were to describe this, so a listener that maybe hasn't seen this house yet, what what is it? What, what what does this house look like? How would you describe it if you had to describe it to somebody? Yeah, um, 
if you want to describe this house, maybe you have to describe the neighbors first. Um, because normally, as I said, the context is one side, it's, it's uh, on the south side, actually, it's located into the new urban plan with a lot of housing. And on the north side, you have the beautiful forest uh, looking uh, looking out to. So most of the houses who are, which are made there at the moment, uh, they are sort of plastered white boxes uh, with big gardens on the south side. So that's basically how all the neighbors look like. So they have like, you can say, beautiful big buildings. And, and on the back side, uh, you have a beautiful garden, which is also really big. And... Um, uh, if if I have to describe our house we made in studio with Studio Nine Dots, we uh, we were thinking of if you do that, you miss all the quality. You enter the house from the forest, but you don't see the forest anymore. It's like mm-hmm. uh, only the garden to the south side, with uh, overlooking uh, the other <laughs> new buildings and new houses. So we definitely didn't want to make the, a house with a front and a back side like a regular uh, house in uh, in Holland. Um, so what we we're thinking of how to make a house which uh, could be um, sort of reacting to all the sides. So all the sides have their own quality. And what if we respect the south side, but we also respect the north side and we respect the east side or west side. Uh, can we make the plot so interesting that there is not, uh, that every part of the plot is just as interesting uh, uh, to experience all the, mm-hmm. all during the day i mean if you have a big garden on the south side and if it's raining you don't go there i mean it's sort of you're only in the house and you look onto the garden and that's basically it or you sit on the terrace Uh, and we thought that would be that's 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 a a bit too minimal i mean could we find a way to order organize the house in such a way um that all the parts will be a sort of, uh, have their own quality. It can be an intimate place, it can be a sunny place, it can be a beautiful view place, it can be evening place, uh, it can be an interior uh, place, it can be exterior, it can be a parking place. It can, but but how to make every every space on the plot just as interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's basically uh, how we started. Huh? So, uh, of course, the clients briefed us first with how, what they want, which was really important to come up with, with this idea. Um, but that's basically uh, the beginning of the project. So, uh, it, yeah, it resulted in something we didn't expect it to, to result in, in 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 the beginning. But that's that's how architecture works. You first think of something, and then you test a lot of models, and mm-hmm. in the end, you end up how it looks. It looks quite uh, different than the houses uh, uh, next to it. And if uh, I, I, what I kind of like, I saw a sort of a drone movie l- lately from a, from somebody. Uh, and then you see all these houses where you really push to the north, so the garden to the south is as big as possible. <laughs> and then you see our plot, and you don't see any garden anymore. It's like one roof. Uh, uh, it looks like a really big mansion, it's sort of uh, for very exclusive people, which actually the house is, is smaller than most of the neighbors, uh, uh, the indoor mm-hmm. space. So it's quite funny how it looks different, but it's it's totally different uh, way of approach. And so that the volume of the house is quite big as a form because you've you've it's almost form, given yeah. 50-50 of the space um, in terms of the, the, the outside and the inside in terms of those courtyards that merge with the living spaces, right? Right. Um, and, I, I mean, I would describe, you know, if I was to really sort of simplify 
this and describe it visually it's it's a it's a pavilion house essentially isn't it and mm-hmm. it's got a it's got a base and it's got a, a flat roof that that oversails this whole space and then that roof is pierced by a square it's it's divided into a grid in terms of composition mm-hmm. a square tower that is two sticks two stories above the pavilion a circular cutout a square cutout for outside spaces and then the living spaces are almost like a donut that wrap around this courtyard but are, it's all also open in one part so this grid of square and rectangular rooms and circular rooms all sit underneath this roof and interact with the perimeter in terms of the outside but the interior in terms of outside as well as um mm-hmm. as a courtyard does that shape the because it's it's it, it's a it's a 90 degree shape on one side and then two angular sides on the other side it kind of fans open is that directly responding to the shape of the plot that you you had yeah exactly <clears throat> uh we we built the maximum we could make on the on on the plot so uh the interesting part is that the shape of the house is also the shape of the plot so we really mm-hmm. filled the whole plot um and because of regulations we have to keep distance from the edge of the plot like two and a half three meters on different sides uh, so the house is still freestanding but mm-hmm. the shape of the plot is exactly uh, uh uh responding to the to the form of the house and uh like you said uh, 50-50, uh, we, ex- we ex- exactly use the same square meters as the neighbors, more or less, maybe a little bit less, but that, we all had the same restriction. You could not make, you could not build it fully. So you were all, always have to make like 50-50 uh, on, on site. So that was one of the regulations from the municipality. So uh, it was not that we, um, uh, we, didn't, we didn't do anything different than the neighbors according to the the regulations or square meters but it looks different so Mm. for you it feels like uh, (laughs) maybe from the top a big house with small gardens but actually the outdoor space is just as big as the as the Mm. the neighbor's outdoor space yeah there's something about the look of this building that's it's almost like there's a public aspect to it as well because it's so open um almost like a theater building you know you see the roofs uh, it's got a quite consistent and then the fly tower above the stage kind of sticking up that kind of um, <laughs> that anchors it um i've i've sort of i've read on your website about the sort of alluding to the process of how you sort of started working with this program with the clients and um there's a line that is is used there where you've you've looked at every different sort of um function on the house but then you've you've avoided their obvious locations so you looked at living and outdoor functions avoided their obvious locations and rearranged them um what do you what do you mean by that what were you what were you trying to avoid here yeah that's a good question um when you when you start as a as as an an architect you always want to 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 search for new boundaries Um, and uh we did a lot of uh um especially me in the office with uh, with some other partners we we did a lot of ha- private housing already. So we know that the program is not specific. I mean, they all need bedrooms. They all have a kitchen. They all need a living room. <laughs> uh, and I can go on. And then the program is almost the same as the, uh, of the neighbor. Um, so that's not, that's not exactly where you get the, the, the new uh, way of thinking in your architecture. So we, we, first of all, as I started, uh, we tried to avoid that we have a sort of back, uh, back, a front and a back uh, uh, side of the plot, which is uh, not that interesting. So 
we tried first of all to say that we want to use the whole plot in different qualities and then um, what we did is um, okay what if we divide the whole program of the house uh, into a sort of same proportion so the kitchen proportion is the same as a bedroom is the same as a living room uh, uh, and we also do that with the outdoor quality. So if you have an intimate place with a fireplace, we give it the same proportion as the patio or uh, uh, or even the storage area. So if you give them all the same proportion, you are free to shuffle them any way you want on that plot. And, um, and that's where it started to become interesting because then we thought if we do a sort of checkboard layout, uh, we could start with... Uh, disturbing a little bit the conventions i mean I, our dream was maybe making two slabs with only a few volumes under them and you have to go from one volume to the other outdoor huh? that mm -hmm. would be our dream as an architect if we would if we if we didn't have a client uh, <laughs> and we could make whatever we want that was our dream because then you have a sort of inside outside you don't know where you are all the time um but of course, that's not uh, comfortable in Holland uh, uh, in the climate we live in. So uh, then we came up with a checkboard uh, system and we also divided the outdoor space in different kind of outdoor. So sometimes it's really outdoor, outdoor. It's like open, it's like sunny, it's like lush green. Sometimes it's a sort of a meeting place with a roof above your... And sometimes it's we call it the orangerie. It's a sort of... Uh, outside semi outside inside dining area you can open it up but you can also close it so it's a sort of uh, in summertime you really feel like the breeze is uh, uh, going through your house and it's really opening up to the to the surroundings but mm -hmm. you can also close it and have a private party inside that space so by doing that and by giving all these different qualities to all these different program and proportions uh, we were able to make a sort of uh, unlogical uh, uh, connection uh, with all the programming elements. Normally, like a storage, maybe that's a good example. Normally, a storage is in the, in the back of the garden or it's somewhere attached to the house on the side mm -hmm. uh, because nobody wants to see it. And actually, in this house, it's almost the centerpiece. Huh? At night, it lit, lit up. It's a sort of light uh, next to the car uh, parking, but also to the patio. It's a beautiful atmosphere. You can see it from everywhere. Um, so by, by by sort of reshuffling all the program and doing that in the same proportion, you get a sort of checkboard layout. And a checkboard layout is really interesting because you get a lot of different and logical connections. So, um, yeah, and that's where we ended up. Uh, we, did, we tested, of course, the, all, all different layouts, but this one was really strong. And uh, mm -hmm. the client agreed with this layout because some connections were really tricky um, but actually they work out really nice at the moment uh, so they use it in a different way we expected uh, mm -hmm. and that's really really nice so uh, for example uh, the office space we connected it indoors you have to go through the sleeping room through a sort of washing closed area and then you reach the, the office uh, but there's also a shortcut going from the dining directly outside next to the tree going to the office and she uses that every day because in COVID time she works at home uh, mm -hmm. uses the office a lot and uh, she really likes to walk inside outside inside outside so she uses the house exactly how we would have wanted it uh, maybe even more disconnected volumes but uh, uh, she, yeah the, the shortcuts work and, and, and people are using the house in different ways so you always uh, 
yeah, that's an interesting thing. It's that kind of checkerboard effect that it's almost limitless in terms of the amount of different routes and interactions you can have between all these different spaces, which I suppose is the key thing that's breaking with convention of sequence. Um, Mm. These clients, who who are these clients and were they they really asking for something different? Yeah, Um, uh, uh, they really wanted something uh, different. So that's that's interesting. You don't find that kind of clients uh, too often. I I can tell you that Uh, because uh, I knew them. eh? Um, uh, They are... uh, uh, people who came to our office like uh, 14 years ago uh, when I was doing my first uh, residential housing, uh, she, she, they want, they saw a, a publication of uh, of architectural work we did, and then she called us and she said, uh, "Can you do our uh, apartment? We have a sort of loft area in the center, city center, 14 years ago, and uh, it's a big space, really beautiful Philips building. It's called the Light Tower in the city center." It's called the light tower because it was, they used to test the light bulbs 24 hours a day. So it's always light. Uh, and it was a, 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 factory, a factory building with four and a half meter high ceilings, beautifully concrete, uh, very big, but no outdoor space. Uh, and when they lived there, uh, we designed the whole loft and they asked us because they, they got twins. So they had two children uh, at once. And then, then, uh, they said, okay, we can forget all the dinings and going out to the clubs, uh, so we have to stay in, indoors. Uh, can you make it uh, a loft where we can feel really comfortable as a sort of uh, house atmosphere, but can you also we also want to change it into a sort of uh, club-like feeling, so we have a sort of feeling we, if we dining in a re- like dining in a restaurant. So we did that, and we probably we did it pretty good. So 14 years later... Um, they came back to us and they called us uh, can you please help us again we find a plot on the edge of the city we still want to live in Eindhoven we still want to stay there and and be connected to the city center so they found a beautiful plot uh, as I I told you next to the forest uh, in Stripe Air um, but they now had a different wish they don't want to have it a club like feeling they want to have more connection uh, to the outside and they want to have a sort of primitive that was a really nice, interesting thing. They wanted to live more primitive. So they, they told us, we want to get rid of all the stuff, uh, live in a sort of uh, simple house. Uh, uh, we prefer, we like a lot of pavilions, like the Farnsworth house from Mies van der Rohe. That's beautiful, very simple, beautifully in nature, a lot of connection to nature. But we also like tiny houses, a living uh, very uh, on top of each other in, in a new way. So um, they actually uh, inspired us a lot. So so we had like all, all new uh, restrictions, uh, totally different than the, we knew them before. But uh, we knew that if they want something, they can go really far in, in, in these mm-hmm. ideas uh, because they really want it. And, and that's what is the most important for uh, residential, for private housing, that you really have to... In, you have to get. Uh, you have to talk to the people and really know what they want and how they want to live, and then you can uh, build your own concept around it. And uh, that was really interesting. They so they wanted to have more connection to the outside to, to outdoor living um, because they missed it in the in the loft, which was totally inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also wanted to, to to have a sort of more primitive way of living with less stuff and less uh, less material. Um, 
So that was really interesting for us. So how do you make a house with uh, a good feeling and connection to the outside outdoor spaces? Mm -hmm. um, that's a bit, bit how it started. But then you still have two possibilities. You can make a house, as I discussed, with a big compact volume and a big garden. And you have like a, a really royal garden. Uh, or you can make a patio. You can make a very big patio and, and, and put all the program around it. Uh, that's basically how you see how people deal with uh, uh, living with inside outside. Um, but we were thinking of how they, they don't have green hands. They, they never used to live in a garden. So we were discussing with them, uh, what do you expect of being outdoors? Do you want to shower? Do you want to uh, sit with a fireplace? So we went with, because we went further and further in these discussions, uh, we figured that there were many ways to be connected to the outdoor space. It's not only a garden uh, on mm -hmm. the south side with a terrace. It can also be an evening place where you have a small fireplace or you have a hot tub or uh, uh, even a place where you can study or read a book or be more private. Uh, and as, as uh, like the orange knee, you can in, eat indoor, outdoor. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting for us. So, and then we knew, okay, if we push this further, they will go with us uh, all the way. Huh? Uh, because we knew them before so that was really nice yeah well that's what's really clever about this this layout is that all, all the interior spaces they're all cross lit or triple lit on three sides and they're never far from the outside because you've they they almost snake around the site all the living spaces kind of snake and wrap around in a kind of i don't know you could say it's a j if you tilt your head or an s <laughs> or a um, and how did you first sort of share, start sharing this concept with them, with the clients, and and how did they initially react? Yeah, it's a, well, we knew um, as the, the the question before, we knew exactly what the briefing was and how how they wanted to to live in their new house. But you have different ways uh, to 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 experience your own plot. So we, we, what we do in Studio Nine Dots, we always uh, work with different models and different uh, concepts. So, uh, but they're all within the same story. So the, the mm -hmm. sort of the basic idea, the overall idea, was to to give to to make the, the garden uh, uh, equally as important as the house itself. And uh, we made different models where we find that all, uh, yeah, all true. Yeah? So. Uh, <laughs> We also made one which was really 50-50, like a sort of diagonal 50% house, 50% garden. Uh, so you have like the maximum length of uh, connection to the garden. We made like all different models. Uh, and and then this one was also one of the one of the options. We made, I think, three uh, real uh, models uh, for the project. And then they, they, they fell in love with this one because also the, this was the possibility to, to combine it with a tiny house concept and stop even the dream, all the dreams they have could be filled in there. So then mm -hmm. uh, we, we started to continue on this and then we reach yeah, in, in this concept, we reshuffled uh, the program a lot of times, but uh, we still stick, stick to the, to this concept and, uh, uh, yeah, we, we refined it, or we, yeah, we tried to make it more and more perfect during the process. And we, were you showing them plans and models and visualizations so they could really understand? Yeah. Um, was there any sort of point of where they're like, okay, wow, this is this really is different? Um, anywhere that they sort of pulled back on, or felt you, you felt you needed to encourage them and reassure them? Um, no, it, it was 
pretty quickly that the, <laughs> the story is even a bit stranger because they first went to an, uh, another architect uh, uh, a, l a long time ago uh, when they first got the plot. They went to that architect and they asked him to uh, to design a building which was a sort of challenging them to have more out outdoor space contact uh, uh, feeling. And uh, the first sketches of that uh, architect were very good, but they were like not challenging them. So then they decided to call us again, and we live in Amsterdam. So that that was a sort of border sort of yeah that was a sort of experience for them for now oh, we have to go back to uh, Amsterdam again but then we presented the three different concepts and this one they loved so much they were like enthusiastic uh, right away and then mm. um, they didn't we didn't have to convince them all the time but we have to there are always a few different corners we have to solve huh? that so that's mm. basically architecture uh, what it's about you always have discussion about smaller things where you go into detail um, but we didn't have to convince them about this concept because it was really what they wanted translated into a sort of new way uh, uh, of living, and mm -hmm. uh, they were they were actually uh, yeah they're looking f they were looking forward uh, right away to, to live that. really interested in a project like this is a, a lot of the sort of concept that we've talked about is um, it's very diagrammatic very much about um, program and function and organization of that however as a complete contrast to what you might expect as a result from that this is a very sculptural piece of architecture it's it's beautiful in its form and shape um, and I'd just like to ask you a little bit about that of how how you sort of view that as, as a creative process and and whether that's a thing that was sort of overlaid simultaneously of, of thinking about the, the sculpture beauty or is this ultimately the result of program and diagram coming together beautifully? I it's interesting because um, if I think if a project is really, really good, I mean, if the story fits, if the if the ideas are correct and if the concept really works, I can fall in love with that architecture so much mm -hmm. that it's beautiful anyway for me. Eh? So it doesn't, it can even be a closed box. Eh? Um, so for me, the aesthetically, uh, of course, we all want to make beautiful uh, things. Eh? That's typical architecture, uh, especially now in the Pinterest uh, area. <laughs> era. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to make a beautiful house for sure. And, and the client wants it as well. But we didn't start like that. We didn't know uh, uh, how it would. Uh, we, di we didn't know how it would look like in the end. So basically, the scheme was more important, and the story behind the building is more important. And then finally, um, you end up with okay. But if you really approach the house, what do you see, and what what does the plot shape do, and is it not too? because uh, rectangular shapes can also be, sometimes they can be beautiful, but sometimes they can be boring. So um, yeah, aesthetically, we, of course we test it like a hundred times and it's a sunny, uh, it's not only 
the shape, but it's also the sun layout because where do we do the tower? What kind of shades does it pr project? Uh, um, there are so many things which are important for the aesthetics of the building. Um, but yeah, what I what I liked about this project was that because the concept was really like a checkboard layout, we could materialize each uh, yeah. each square of the checkboard. We could do. We are free to do what we want. So we, we used the different different materials, different uh, feelings, different colors, even. Um, and that was so that the house becomes a sort of collage, uh, and, for, and and it also looks different from from all sides. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I kind of. Aesthetically, it was not the, the priority to start with this layout. So for mm -hmm. me, the layout is always uh, uh, more important because I think you can make almost every shape. Uh, you can make it beautiful if you mm -hmm. want. It's interesting what you say about having that freedom of every space can be designed exactly um, how you want it. When I, when I first looked at this house, my, my initial reaction was, okay, wow, this is amazing. But I, I wouldn't want to live here. This is crazy. This is this is a glass box. This is too um, like a piece of art and, and not a home. And actually, then the more I've delved into it, and the more I've looked into it, and when you start looking at all the individual spaces and, and everything that you've described, it's actually the complete opposite. It looks like an incredibly livable house because each space has been able to be thought about differently. You haven't got a concept that means, well, the window has to be the same here for consistency. And um, how, and I think a, a important aspect of that is the idea of privacy. Like a bedroom can be beautiful if it looks onto a garden and has a view, but it also needs to feel cozy and it needs to feel slightly secluded, maybe. Um, how did you deal with that? Because that I think is a very successful part of this project. It's a pavilion, but you've somehow dealt with privacy i don't quite know how but you have um how did you deal with that yeah that's a it's an interesting uh, thing because uh if we if we start with clients uh, I, I respect every client we have so uh, everybody who comes in our office and and wants to have a, a, a private house or something for himself uh, we really want to understand the client and this client didn't have any uh, really uh, didn't have any uh, problems with privacy at all from the beginning. So um, the only thing they wanted was that, okay, if we have a living room, we want to have uh, uh, curtains. Uh, maybe if we want to watch a movie or whatever, uh, it, sh it should be able to close. Huh? We, we should be able mm -hmm. to close it, but not too much. We, we want to have translucent uh, 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 curtains. So uh, we can still have our own atmosphere, but privacy for us, is not an issue on two sides. It's uh, connected to a sort of bicycle path and, and, a, and a pedestrian uh, route. So, uh, and actually they like it. Um, it was even because we worked together with a, a gardener uh, because the different outdoor spaces, we also wanted to give different qualities for the greenery. And one was uh, the one connected, uh, as I told you, uh, in the dining room, you could slide the, all the doors open and then you leave a sort of outside. And because on that side of the, the the dining room, you have a sort of bicycle path, which is not far away. I mean, five meters maybe. Uh, and then the gardener started to make a sort of privacy screens in the garden. <laughs> he was mm -hmm. thinking of a very high green and also blocking uh, the view uh, uh, with a sort of uh, 
uh, wooden uh, wooden shading things. Uh, and the client says, no, I, I really want <laughs> this this transparency. So take it all away. And we want some greenery lower and so we can look over it. So um, maybe that's not the answer to your question, but this client really didn't have any problems with privacy. What they do want is that all the functions and how they live in their house, the connection to the children and to each other and with work and private, uh, it has to be really, really good. So if you go and sit around the tree, I've, I've visited the house, of course, uh, many times, uh, then you're really private. You're blocked mm. from the street, you're blocked from the other direction. So if you want to read a book, and you, you, you can find a place where you're really intimate and private yourself. But if you, if you sit at the fireplace, you look at the forest that people just uh, uh, walk by. Um, yeah, that's a but they, they don't really care. They really enjoy sitting there with a the fire uh, and looking at the beautiful trees. So it's also a house uh, made for them. Huh? It's not, mm. of course, the only thing. It's not only for the architects. It's also for the clients. Uh, and uh, they gave us the opportunity to, to come with a, a, a sort of new way of living because that suits them. Huh? And maybe with other clients, we, we would have done it totally different again. So mm. that's why all the houses we make are not equal and, and always different. Um, but privacy was a small issue here, but not really uh, a big issue. So, mm. uh, yeah, maybe you could not live there. But, uh, yeah, I think when the green is really finished, uh, it's now more or less uh, uh, on its uh, uh, almost 100% uh, ready. Um, yeah, you, you have a lot of privacy there. So that's, that's really nice. I, th I think I could very happily live here. <laughs> the, what, what about you? Could you live here? Yeah, I, I could definitely uh, live there. Yeah. Hmm. I always yeah. think that's interesting because you mentioned with a client and you, you're, you are designing for them and every house is different and personal when, if, you know, if you're working with a good architect. Does that sometimes mean, do you think you can fully separate that or are you also sometimes, you're part designing for yourself, you're placing yourself in their shoes and how you would feel in this space? Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I, of course, I didn't design it all by myself with the whole studio. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you ask them all, I think we all think of we could live there because we think it's good. Huh? So if, yeah. <laughs> if the if the story is still a part of how you want to live, uh, instead of how the neighbors uh, made their uh, filled in their plots, yeah, I, I think I would be more and more a lot more happier here. Then I would be uh, at the neighbors. Uh, I, as if I, I always walk uh, when I visit this house. I always start walking. I park the car somewhere else, and I start walking. Uh, uh, as, uh, I do that on purpose. I start walking through all the the whole area, and mm. then you see really it becomes from from really a repetition, and you can almost predict every plot, and then you you enter our plot, and I think yeah, that's. It's really, really amazing. I had when we finished the house, we had a sort of meeting and a sort of drinks with all the people who worked on the house. Uh, it was uh, organized by the clients, and we were like a sort of tribe around the around the uh, around the tree, which made a sort of for me a totally different uh, way of having a outside barbecue. Huh? Because normally mm -hmm. it's like in the end of the garden, beautiful plateau in the sun with uh, with a barbecue on top. But now we were like a sort of beautifully all the stairs were around the trees and we were all uh, discussing with each other and 
the sun came. So uh, I was kind of happy. Uh, it was a kind of happy moment for me that I, we really, we really created a new way of sitting outdoors yeah, or using mm-hmm. it. Um, so I, yeah, that's that, that's something I can really enjoy. So I would live. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can live there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And, and in essence, this house does it sit in a kind of long lineage of courtyard houses in terms of as a typology. But in another respect, it, it kind of challenges the notion of typology. And it, you've mentioned that on the website of saying it's a new typology for maximizing interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think this what have you learned from this project and what you think you've achieved as a studio in terms of defining typology here? Yeah, Um I think we, uh, um, we, yeah. I think we, 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 we. It's not our goal to, of course, start with finding new topologies. But um, what I what I found interesting is that uh, um, because the clients gave us a briefing which triggered us that much in in a sort of conceptual way, uh, we were able mm. to 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 have a sort of freedom. And look at a standard program for private housing in a different way, and that was really uh, that, that, that made it so interesting. So um, for me, it's not exactly the uh, the typology. Yeah, if you yeah, like I said, you have different ways of using in going uh, with different ways for the relationship between a house and a garden. <clears throat> Mostly, it's like the one I predicted. So it's on one side, you have a beautiful garden and you have a house. <clears throat> mostly the house is a sort of a rest space of the, mostly the garden is a rest space of the house. Eh? So you first design the house and then the garden fits around it. Uh, and, and another way is to make a patio, which is so organizing element that uh, all this, all the program has to be around it and has to uh, adjust to the concept of the patio. And we were thinking of we don't want that direction and we don't want a real patio option. We want to have something which makes it more uh, flexible and more, um, um, uh, yeah, uh, sort of more interactions possible than the predictable ones. So we we examined, is it possible to really enjoy the typology of a garden and a patio, but can we blur it and mix it more together that all the programmatic elements on site are sort of equally important and, and usable mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, uh, all year round. And and then it became for us, okay, if we want to do it, we really have to stick to a steady scheme because you cannot do it by making a very large living room and a very small dining room. And then, because then it will fall apart again. It, will only, it only works when the scheme is really pure. And uh, the, the beautiful thing about housing is that uh, a lot of program e- normally are sort of equal spaces. I mean, if you if you calculate a five by five square meters, it's it's perfect mm-hmm. for a kitchen. It's perfect for sitting uh, watching a movie, and it's perfect for uh, having a dining uh, with eight people. So um, the five by five <laughs> uh, square uh, was a sort of invention for us as uh, a sort of stone where you can build your whole project around. Yeah. It's even a beautiful one for the tower. So every floor uh, is a sort of sleeping area for the children, which is perfectly five by five. And then you, uh, with a small pantry, everything is in there. So mm-hmm. 
for us, it was like a sort of outcome uh, by analyzing uh, uh, the standard things we always have to cope with. And, mm -hmm. and, and that became a new typology, but it's, it's also a very strict one. It looks very simple, but it's very difficult to make. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I well, I've been looking at the plan a lot, and, and I recommend anyone listening to have a look at it as well cause to to sort of figure this out. And um, I can tell you, I'll be testing and trying out this five by five square um, concept on on other projects as a as a fun yeah. game to sort of see how it works. Um, the um, you mentioned the tower. I mean, that's a very dominant visual feature of the the house. Mm -hmm. Maybe sort of one of the first things you might notice if you're approaching it. Mm -hmm. um, that's the the twins are in there so there's two bedrooms in there they, these are very different spaces from most of the rest of the house um can you maybe tell me just a little because it's such a dominant feature maybe tell me a little bit about the design of those yeah it's it's also um a feature i can i can speak a lot about because it's it's um it's a very interesting tower because that's where you enter the house eh? the connection between the vertical mm. element and the horizontal slabs is where you really uh, find the the main entrance um, and on the bottom of the main entrance, you have the entrance hall, of course, but you also have a bathroom for the children. And then on top, you have two layers. You have the children's bedrooms. And in the bedrooms, uh, we made a sort of pantry for the children so they can easily convert it into maybe uh, in the future, even a sort of cooking, uh, uh, cooking area. And that's really interesting. So what we try to do is that the tower itself can be in the future a sort of self-sufficient way of living instead of mm -hmm. the whole ground floor area for the parents. So, uh -huh. uh, because the house even has more entrances, huh? you can enter through the patio, but you can also mm -hmm. enter through another door or uh, <laughs> there are many doors, uh, but you can also enter, of course, through uh, the main entrances in the tower. But what is interesting in Holland is that the rents and maybe uh, in England as well, uh, the rents and buying a house is getting more and more expensive, especially for children and studying uh, in study phase. So um, uh, the children, and you see that more and more, are staying longer and longer in the parents' house. Uh, but they, of course, when they when they have their own uh, uh, a certain age, they want to be a bit more distant from their parents. So uh, basically, I think in the future, they can still live there. Uh, the girls can still live in their own private tower uh, and almost be self-sufficient uh, mm -hmm. uh, and still live with your parents. So that's basically one element. It's uh, it's it's an organizing thing between uh, separation and, and connection. Uh, and then, of course, it's also a sort of marking point and reflection, which may, which, which, which surrounds, uh, because of the aluminium facade, is really beautiful that during the day and during different types of weather, uh, you can see the trees reflecting, you can see rain, you can see the clouds uh, 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 transforming in, 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 the, in, the, in the reflection on the tower. So uh, when you sit in different, on different places in your house and you look at the tower, uh, it changes during the day, which is really, really interesting. Even the, the place where we have the tree, uh, because we had a whole uh, a circle there in the roof, uh, the circle is reflecting not only on the ground, but also beautifully on the aluminium tower. So the tower really is important. It's not only the entrance, but it also organizes the whole system of mm. living apart and together for the family. And it also, uh, because of the materialization, it, 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 it brings atmosphere in the house on all directions. Mm -hmm. And 
this is a kind of house I imagine you must have learnt a lot from seeing it being built and then experiencing it when it was built when you when you go and visit now what what surprised you about the house what things have you kind of learnt from your own studio's design from experiencing it for yourself um yeah it's always always the nicest thing for architects is to see your project being built i think we have more projects not being built than <laughs> being built so uh, uh it's always always a beautiful moment to see uh, how it works in reality um yeah and and, and we of course we ch- we had some real challenges if you make a checkboard layout all the lines are of course uh, connected to each other <laughs> that's a part of the scheme but then every detail is maximum important if you change something there it will yeah. change it uh, in the way way in the back so uh, we have to figure out all the details before uh, and and we also wanted to make the slabs in the same thickness so you really feel you go into the slabs you really f- sort of different feeling it's not like only a roof or only a floor it's really in between space so the thickness of the floor and 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 the, and, and the roof we wanted to to keep uh, the same the same size so construction wise and detail wise we have to work very in, in the beginning we really early stage we already went to sit uh, to sit with the constructor to think mm-hmm. it, will it work yeah? because if you can have a beautiful concept but in the end if the construction comes three times as thick it, it really doesn't work so all these details and all these carefully uh, 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 step-by-step uh, designing uh, made made it possible but I yeah, I'm, I'm convinced. And uh, um, if you have to say, what did you learn? If you're, you have to, of course, we always start with ideas, but all the ideas should be really tested into some detail, in, in some detail connections. If we, all the, all, we, we always say in the office that we put another, a lot of knowledge in the first phase of the project. So if we do it in the end, because then it's more technical, in the end it's more technical because it's being built. But then it's far too late because then you always uh, bump into problems or things which are not uh, uh, not the way you want. Um, so what we do in the first phase, and that's I think the good part of our office, it's not only uh, thinking of new ideas or concept or storylines, uh, but also testing it into details, like fragments, uh, fragments of the facade or just one section, and then we really go into detail before we present it because then we really know, okay, if we do it like this, if we want it like this, it really works and it's possible in this way and it costs you this much money. Um, so uh, that's really what I learned uh, in this project as well, but also different projects. We also have like uh, housing project or office buildings projects uh, where we always start with small fragments, small parts of the building to test our ideas and it's not yep. only architecture you test but it's also the whole storyline you test and then you really know if you have something good uh, if it's really possible and if it's possible you have to stick with it all the way and then uh, it becomes pure and then you can yeah have a lot of fun uh, realizing mm-hmm. did you have any reference points for this design you mentioned Mies van der Rohe at the beginning um, were there any things that you sort of had in mind that were really kind of inspiring well, the process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, when people uh, have, I, I used to study all different architectural books, huh? and now it's uh, converted to Pinterest, uh, where people see <laughs> uh, 
you can you can you can easily look it up. But uh, for me, and, and I think uh, the other people as well in the office, we were really um, um, yeah sort of surprised by, for, for example, the beautiful uh, solo house from uh, Office Kirsten. In, it's in Spain. It's a circle house. Uh, and inside and outside, the, the house is really thin, so you really feel like inside outside all the time. Uh, that's a house we really examined a lot, and also the first works of uh, Toya Ito. He also made a house with a big patio, a very thin layout. Um, uh, that were really projects uh, we we examined in in the first phase, and of course we also. Uh, that's the funny thing about this house. Uh, we examined different topologies and. Uh, at the same time, so also the tiny houses. We were we were like examining all different types mm. of tiny houses, which are of course totally different than a, than a pavilion, uh, like a Mies van der Rohe pavilion. So uh, we had like different uh, mood boards uh, laying out and examining that. And yeah, I think mm. uh, we we learned from that a lot. You, you, and you still. Um, as I as I answered the the, the the question before, you have to really stick to your ideas. Huh? So mm. all the all the beautiful projects we examined, uh, there are also a lot of examples in Brazil, which are beautiful patio houses with uh, almost uh, a sort of look and feel uh, um, like like our house. Uh, I hope uh, we enjoyed that a lot because the climate there is much easier to build. So you have like inside yeah. outside is already uh, already a part of the, uh, the Brazilian context. So we studied the Brazilian ones, the Toyota ones, and and some beautiful European ones. Uh, that's basically the basis of uh, uh, using elements we learn from. Yeah? yeah, more or less. And then just bringing it then back to the clients, and you know, ultimately this is a home for for living in and for a family. Um, what kind of responses have you had? What interesting responses, maybe unexpected responses, have you had from them that they've had inhabiting this place? Yeah, well, uh, if if I have to say one word, it's still uh, they're very uh, enthusiastic uh, until this day uh, um, because they they have uh, some, we still have a lot of contact uh, with them. And uh, they enjoying every minute of it. And uh, she is really good in telling stories about their own house. So once I had a jury uh, for a competition, uh, a project jury, uh, and they visited the house with a bus. So the bus came driving up the up the runway uh, on the on the front porch, and then all the people came out. And I I really prepared a story for the jury. <laughs> And I started maybe two sentences, and then she started to <laughs> fill in. And uh, she told the whole story about the house and how they, how she lives it, and how she uses it, and what is what they really enjoy about it every day. So I didn't. Uh, I, I, of course, I was listening really crit- critic- <laughs> critically uh, because I wanted to tell the concept of the building. But she she did it really, really perfect. So for me. There was a statement. If if she could do it so easily, explain how she lives in our concept, it was like uh, okay, uh, it really works. So she she's really happy there. And um, another another example is that uh, there are almost every day there are people stopping eh? because uh, it's a bicycle path, as I mm. told you, and, and people walking there in the evening or during the day. And then you have like the villas which are sort of closed boxes from the north side uh, which are plastered and then you see uh, our building 
and they don't understand the building right away. So they, they're stopping and some mm. people are really uh, getting off their bikes and they make <laughs> a picture and they're discussing, is it an office building or is it a house? They don't understand it. And, and most of them, they take a quick picture and, and they continue, but some of them are staying there really long. And then Lily, that's the, 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 our client that lives there uh, with Felix, uh, they really enjoyed it. So sometimes if there's a person really standing there for a while, she goes outside and they, she invites them in and, and gives a tour. Uh, yeah. Because she understands that people, even even uh, university students, uh, they come in groups now sometimes uh, to watch it or to study it or whatever. Um, but they are, yeah, the way, the enthusiasm, they still talk about their own house gives me a fulfillment that they really enjoy it. It's not only yep. about prestige or uh, being published somewhere. It's really, they enjoy what they do there. So, and, and what I explained before is they have different shortcuts using the house, which we could not predict in. Yeah, of course we could predict it a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, which we hope maybe uh, they would do. Uh, and it's, it's really working that some, some routes are really going from inside to outside to inside during the day in your own house. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something which I think is really, really, uh, uh, yeah, credit for us that it works and that it's used in a different way than have a, from one room to another with a corridor, yeah? something mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to, I, th- I don't think it can end better than that than with the enthusiasm of a client that's that's living there because that's what it's ultimately all about um so i think congratulations i think you've done a fantastic um piece of architecture i think it's incredible um so i'd I'd like to now ask you the three questions i ask all my guests at the end of interviews um starting with um what is the one thing that really annoys you in your own home in my own home (laughs) um okay well i i live in amsterdam in a house uh Actually, it's, it's different houses connected, uh, but it's, I build it myself, uh, of course, with uh, with my colleague architects. Um, uh, so a lot of the things in our house I really enjoy. Still, I I don't, and I'm not annoying me. Maybe I'm too easy, but uh, I'm not annoyed every day. The only thing, of course, you're if you're, if you're an architect and you design something, and you look at it a few years later, you always think of things mm. or elements that could have been better uh, and I think we missed uh, what really could have been better here because we have a beautiful strip uh, next to the water uh, with a view to a sort of a park um, and we have a big roof and it's made for roof terraces uh, but it's not used that much as could have been used eh? so I think we underestimated the quality of the, of the upper level and um, yeah if I would made it if i have to make it again i can imagine uh 80 doing the same but maybe think about how to use the the quality of the upper layer a bit more because now sometimes we have a lot of outdoor spaces already and you only use a few of them but because the the upper one doesn't have the uh the maximum quality it, it, it deserves yeah yeah, yeah. So, but i'm not really annoyed but i'm not <laughs> in my house oh uh, why am not why am I not using the uh, the, the roof terrace? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm really happy here, but yeah, that could have been better, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And and um, describe one house that you have visited that has really inspired you, and tell me why. 
Mm. It's a difficult. This, this may be one that you've also loitered outside and been invited in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I visited really, really a lot of houses in my life during from uh, all over the world. So it's this. This is a really difficult question. Um, um, but uh, as I said, I have a sort of love for Brazilian architecture. Uh, and the one I really enjoyed visiting and still sticks in my mind uh, a lot of times is the glass house from uh, Bobardi, Lina Bobardi in uh, Sao Paulo. It's uh, it's in a beautiful plot on, on, a, on a hill hillside, uh, a sort of mountainscape. You have to walk through there. And when you visit it, you have to enter by a stair through a patio uh, to visit. The, I don't know if you know it, but it's a sort of tilted pavilion. It's a modernistic architectural uh, uh, house, but it's so perfectly done uh, and 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 so beautiful that uh, it has a lot of elements where I, I still look at it sometimes, and I'm still dreaming of uh, making my own house uh, with with the same floor as she has there, mm-hmm. because it's a it's a mosaic floor with beautifully Brazilian tiles, sort of green blue, very subtle. Uh, but millions of tiles in that house. Uh, so it, I, I'm still dreaming of that floor using it some someday. Um, and yeah, that's a, that's a really a, a good stay, a good yeah. good product. But I visited many, I can tell you, <laughs> <laughs> which are also very very nice. Yeah. Well, then, if you could choose any designer to design you a new home, who would you choose? Uh, and it can't be yourself. No, and. and uh, he or she has to be uh, alive, I, I guess. No, uh, no, doesn't have no? to be alive. No. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, well, if I choose one to be alive, uh, a couple of years ago, I went on a sort of road trip uh, with my family uh, to visit a lot of houses uh, from Eris Mateus. It's a Portuguese architect, uh, which uh, uh, I, I, I actually ring at the door uh, for, please, can I have a look inside? And uh, a lot of people are welcomed uh, to, to mm-hmm. give a tour in their in their house. And by a few of them, I was really, really blown away by the quality of the, uh, even the concept, but also the, the lights, how, it, how he works with it, and the surprising factor. So he really always has something in, in every house, which is sort of surprising me. Um, so I would choose him. Uh, or his company, I think he's together with, uh, with his brother to 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 make mm-hmm. our house. That okay. would be nice. Well, it sounds very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you very much, Metin, for giving your time and for for sharing your insights on um, the wonderful Villa Fifty Fifty. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to find out more about Studio Nine Dots and their project Villa 5050, then please visit the website at anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. And also try out the Instagram page where you can see the work of all of my guests. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, then please leave a review to help other people find the podcast. In episode 29 of the podcast, I featured the Lunda Sang project in Australia by Croffy Architects. This home has some similar themes of very open glazed living spaces opening onto beautiful gardens. 
If you'd like to listen to that episode, you can play it via the episodes link on anotherarchitecturepodcast.com. I look forward to you joining me for the next episode. And thanks again for listening.